Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Um, so this is Exodus 16, 1 through 18. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out of the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare and what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the, all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. When Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew on the ground. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. The second reading is coming from Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 34. So Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 34, you find on page 1,504. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be filled with full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light with you is darkness, how great that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Amen. Thanks very much, Ruth. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you here this morning. I'm Simon. Uh, people call me Jacko. Uh, I'm lead pastor here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, it's good to be back in sort of one of my happy places, actually, teaching the Bible um, up front on a Sunday. And I've had a few weeks off, which has been lovely. So thanks to all those who've stepped in and served in the interim. Uh, it's been nice to have a break, but uh, you've got me again. Uh, there you go. We're at week seven of our series in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we plan at this stage at least to kind of a couple more weeks and then we're going to do Easter and we might at this stage wrap up the Sermon on the Mount just the week after Easter. But, you know, we'll see how we go uh, with things. But... Um, there you go. Um, just while I'm here, I just thought I'd just uh, a big thank you to those who've just sort of stepped up into new ways of serving in our church community since we moved back into this building. Um, and just, you know, everyone's doing a great job. But just two areas of note in particular. Um, one, big, give a big round of applause to the cleaning crew. Um, there you go. <clears throat> They're... Um, the two ministries I'm about to minister, like, mention are probably the two sexiest ministries we have going at City Light Church North Adelaide. One is the cleaning crew, so thank you to those who clean, uh, ably led by Cindy. Cindy's just in like a pig in mud, I reckon. Um, or maybe a pig in, not, you know, but just, anyway. Let's not go there. Um, but Cindy and, and many others, oh, it's just, um, just little moments like fill a pastor's heart with joy when I was packing up last week and... Um, Normally, myself and my son, Sebastian, are the last to leave, and um, I'm like almost closing doors, and then I hear some rustling, and it's um, Susanna and Miriam busily cleaning away um, and wheeling vacuums around. Anyway, so just really thankful for that crew. Um, and also a crew you probably don't even know almost exists is the gardening crew. So a round of applause for the gardening crew. Um, um, the gardening crew kind of includes people who make sure our bins go out when they're meant to go out uh, on the right side of the road and right part and, and also um, slashing weeds and weeding things and that sort of stuff. So keeping our property kind of looking neat and tidy and snake free maybe as well. There you go. Anyway, so thank you to those people. Um, really thankful. Today we're thinking a little bit about um, anxiety and worry. Um, two things that I think we all experience from time to time. And before I ask you to turn to the person next to you to ask them something, I just want to say that um, as we talk about anxiety or worry today, um, two, two things to say. One is, um, you know, when we, when we hear the Bible say things like, you know, do not be anxious or, you know, do not fear, um, for those of us who do feel more anxious than others, 
we can hear those words from the Lord or from the apostles and we already feel anxious and then we hear the words, do not be anxious, and that makes us feel even more anxious because we feel like we're now disobeying God as well. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that um, and um, to say that in many cases when the word of God says do not fear, um, just to get a bit geeky and greeky, it's, often it's called a permissive imperative, um, which is, you can take that to your next dinner party if you want. It, it basically is a command, right? It is a command. Do not be anxious about anything, for example, Philippians 4. Um, but the permissive imperative means it is a command, but it's actually a command that is like, you don't need to be anxious. Um, it's giving you permission to not be anxious uh, because of who God is and what he has done for you. So does that make sense? So, but I'm acknowledging that. You can, you can hear these things and go, oh my gosh, I already feel anxious and now I feel even more anxious. Um, so be careful. I oh, just wanted to say that. The second thing is, when we talk about anxiety today, um, there are some of us um, in the world, many in the world now, who suffer from clinical anxiety disorder. Um, and I want to say that that's a real thing uh, that people I know in our church experience. And I don't expect that what I say today will just kind of take away your clinical anxiety uh, in a flash like that. I, I'm not that impressive. Um, I want to encourage you to keep listening to those who are caring for you, whether it's your, your GP, your doctor, your psychologist or as well. So keep seeing them, but I, hope, I do hope that what we look at today will be of help if that is your situation. Um, so they're my two little caveats before. I now ask you uh, to turn to the person next to you and sensitively and lovingly and graciously, maybe ask the person next to you, what are you most anxious about right now. Maybe the thing you're most anxious about is, will this sermon actually finish? No. Um, turn to the person next to you and ask them, what are you most, what are you most worried about right now? What's, what's on your mind? What's on your heart that's consuming you a little bit? Just for the next couple of minutes, turn to the person next to you. And we'll, uh, we'll get into it. It'll be good if you have Matthew 6 open in front of you, but let's pray as we think about God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, many of us do worry. Many of us, and so many of us have so many anxieties and we, we hear these words of Jesus and they can sound really good but are hard to hold on to. Father, would you this morning, by your spirit, write these words of our brother, our redeemer, our saviour, our Lord and King, write these words of his on our hearts and minds. Help us to know deep down in our bones that we can trust you and live for you and that you will meet our needs. Lord, please set us free from worry and anxiety, even this morning we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, worry makes the world go round. So said a headline from a newspaper some time ago. And perhaps there's a lot to worry about in the world. Uh, last weekend, we got a new government here in South Australia. That might cause you some anxiety. What's it going to be like? Will it be good? Will they keep their promises? Unlikely. But anyway, will they keep, you know, anxiety? The, the Russians, the Russians have invaded the Ukraine we're now at, I think, something like day 32 of the invasion. We've seen constant shelling of cities. Three and a half million people at least so far have been displaced from their country, from their homes, their lives. 
Heaps of lives have been lost and it would seem like there's no end in sight. What will this war mean for our world? What will it do to the global economy? What will it continue to do to petrol prices? And if you're worried about that, well, like, don't be, because environmental apocalypse is coming like an express train. Every week, right, we approach a new tipping point in the life of our planet. Governments are accused of massive self-interest and short-termism, raping the planet without thinking about the consequences for those living on the margins of the world and also for the generations to follow. And then there's the ever-present threat of religious terrorism or cyber-terrorism or cyber-crime or violent crime. And meanwhile, the rise of nationalism and the rise of self-interest are accompanying like a global realigning of global influence, right, that spells the steady decline of the influence and power of the West with the emergence of Russia and the East as the great powers in our world. And whether East or West, many countries have an aging populations, have aging populations, and hardly anyone is putting enough away in super, and Evergrande is about to fall over. Which means basically, right, we're all just one big economic time bomb waiting to go off. And in addition to that, right, if you're not struck down by one of the increasing numbers of superbugs out there that are resistant to antibiotics or the next virus that takes us over, well, you may just get hit by a G10 bus as you walk out onto O'Connell Street after church today. All of that to say, if you love worrying, it's a great time to be alive. People have always been worried, right? But it seems like anxiety is a particular feature of our lives today. I was talking to the, the leader of Anglicare's counselling services here in South Australia uh, just recently, and, and she said that one in four people who contact, contact Anglicare's counselling services call because of anxiety. Most of the people that are calling Anglicare at the moment are in their 20s and 30s when it comes to anxiety, and it's, it's a cocktail of concerns that they're bringing before them. Exam stress, work pressures and expectations from parents seems to be like the cocktail that sort of is coming together. And all of our social media connections, right, far from reducing our anxiety, seem to only increase our anxiety. Research suggests that Generation Z, that's today's teens, have a strange attitude to social media. On the one side, they can't live without it, but on the other side, they recognise that it's a huge source of anxiety. The online image is more important than the real appearance. We compare ourselves, right, don't we, with others more easily than we ever have in history because of social media. You know, whose life looks like it's more fun? Who has the best looking friends? Who's got the best looking church? We do, right, but anyway. Um, who goes on the most amazing holidays? Who is the most successful? And we worry. Well, Jesus says, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I want to let you into a secret this morning. I don't worry a great deal about my appearance. Some years ago, I was living in Sydney and I was at Central Station when a young woman approached me and she gave me her business card. 
Uh, and she said, my name's Danielle, and I'm from a modeling agency, and you are just the kind of person we're looking for. And I was like, of course you are. Like, you know, <laughs> you've nailed it. That little boost or injection of self-esteem that I got from this interaction lasted like two seconds, right? Because then she went on to explain, my agency does before and after pictures. Um, <laughs> and we're on the lookout for people who really need makeovers. Um, and I've been in therapy ever since. No, um, I, I don't worry about those things. I don't worry about really what I eat. I don't really worry about what I drink. I don't really worry about what I wear. But there are pretty, plenty of other things that I worry about. I worry about my children, our children. Uh, will they be following the Lord in 10 years' time? I worry about their education. Which school will Stella be going to next year? And what, what impact will it have on her life? I worry about our church, difficult conversations that I have to have, or pastoral matters that are really intense and hard. I worry. You know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worried about you guys. But no, does that happen to you, waking up in the middle of the night, anxious, worried? There's something about the night, isn't it? You know, it's quiet, it's dark. Can be a very lonely time. Worry leads to physical conditions, right? Disrupted sleep, raised blood pressure. For some, frightening panic attacks. For some, anxiety can mean a fear of being in social situations. Even coming to church this morning might be difficult for some of us here. Worry can affect our judgment, lessen our ability to make decisions. It renders us increasingly incapable of dealing with life. It's linked to stomach ulcers and heart attacks and even cancers. We try to deal with our anxiety in all kinds of different ways, don't we? Some swear by warm baths and essential oils, crystals, whale sounds, soothing music, relaxation apps, Herbal tea, acupuncture, yoga, mindfulness. Others pushing their bodies to extremes in the gym. Others spending money, retail therapy. Some seek to deal with their worry by dulling it with alcohol or sex or pornography. Addiction to gaming, to Netflix, YouTube. Excessive exercise or a controlling attitude to food. Most of these treatments, right, eventually hurt us, right, as much as they kind of, as the anxieties are supposed to be a cure. Anyway, we're continuing our series in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we come to chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. We're really going to zoom in this morning on verses 25 through 34, but let me just say something briefly about six, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 uh, to 24. I hope you have it in front of you where Jesus says, you know, don't store up treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. Uh, Jesus says in those few verses, there are only two basic approaches to life. He says, we either store treasures here on earth or we lay up treasures in heaven. Either we give ourselves to serving money or we give ourselves to serving Jesus' heavenly father. We cannot serve both. We'll either pursue one or the other. If we do one, we will never be satisfied. We will always be anxious, fearful, pulled in different directions and ultimately unfaithful as Christians. If we do the other, we will have life and we'll have no reason to be anxious because our heavenly father will look after our needs. 
Um, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the 18th century evangelist John Wesley, when um, he heard that his home had been destroyed by fire, he supposedly says, said, the Lord's house has burned, one less responsibility for me. I'm not sure I would have reacted quite like that. Um, when I was late teens growing up, our house was burgled. Um, it, we were out, it seemed like the burglars were there for hours emptying every cupboard, turning up every drawer, going through my stuff. It's the sentimental stuff, right? That's the most painful stuff to lose. Um, they stole my grandfather's watch, which belonged to my father, his father. They stole some precious stones that had been in our family for a long time. But Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I must admit my reaction showed where my heart really was. But in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus promises the kind of life we can live when we choose to follow and serve Jesus and store up treasure in heaven. Have a look what Jesus says in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. The old King James version of the Bible translates it, take no thought to your life. It's a little bit lost in our translations today. It's not that we shouldn't think about our lives, brothers and sisters. In the very next verse, right, Jesus tells us to think about the birds. And then he says a little bit further on, think about the flowers, Jesus is not calling us to a careless life, but he's recommending to us a carefree life. That's what he's offering to us. Jesus doesn't want us to be thoughtless about our lives. Actually, it's the opposite. We should think really carefully about how we live. It's wise to make plans for the future. The Lord told Joseph, if you remember, um, told Joseph that Egypt should make provisions for seven years because the famine was coming. God tells us that parents should provide for their children. But Jesus is forbidding here anxiety. Don't be anxious about your life. And the word in the original Greek um, carries the idea of being divided, being split, being pulled apart at the same time. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says, therefore, don't be pulled apart by anxiety. You don't need to be. Because that can miss the point of life. Look again at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Now if you here this morning, though perhaps some will worry about where you're going to get your next meal from. But there are millions around the world who will be worrying about that. But many have an unhealthy relationship with food in our culture. A recent report in Australia said a record number of children are currently being treated in our public health system for eating disorders. In 2021, thousands of children required help for conditions such as anorexia or bulimia. Many, many, many people in our world resort to food and drink to comfort them, to provide a sense of control or stimulus or relaxation. 
Food and drink have taken on like an almost like a spiritual role, yeah, in our, in our world, in the lives of people. I don't know if it's eating superfoods or eating clean or a detox diet, eating food with the lowest carbon footprint. Um, and then there's our clothes, right? Clothing and appearance are a constant source of worry for so many of us. Clothes are worn one day and thrown out the next or returned to the store. Uh, millions of men and women are, are anxious about their appearance and going to extreme lengths, right, to attain almost impossible standards of appearance. Plastic surgery to reduce, injections to fill out, surgeries to implant or punishing regimes in the gym fueled by protein shakes, or worse, to achieve an appearance or perhaps find peace within. Carefully selected images on Instagram as well as the images presented to us through advertising convince us that, there's a, that certain body shapes are not only the most attractive kind of shape that there can be, but that that attractive body shape is in reach of all of us if only we work hard enough, eat clean enough and groom carefully enough. Lifestyles that are really only attainable for the tiny fraction of our world's population are presented to us as normal and achievable. This is life. If we allow ourselves to pursue these things, Jesus says they will be a burden that we were never made to carry and they'll weigh us down, slowly draining the life out of us. And Jesus wants his people to be free from this. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes, Jesus says. In a documentary I watched a few years ago called The Human Footprint, um, made in the UK, called The Human Footprint, um, they calculated sort of what the average human being kind of consumes in their particular lifetime. So here you go, in a lifetime, the average person living in the UK consumed 4.5 cows, more than 1,200 chickens, ate 154 tins of baked beans, owned eight cars, owned over 198 bottles of shampoo and drank approximately 75,000 cups of tea. Clearly it was done in the UK, right? Um, that's, that's the snapshot of a life, the human footprint. I know there are some here who have in recent times um, had to clear out the property of loved ones, um, cupboards and rooms full of memories. If you've done that, you'll know what it's like. You know, photographs and letters and wardrobes full of clothes and books and board games and beer mugs and knickknacks and tools and furniture. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. The Bible says that God richly provides us with all these things for our enjoyment. But is that what life is all about? What will your human footprint be? A house full of possessions to be disposed of? A bank account full of money to be left behind? Watch out, Jesus says. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. A family friend of ours died recently 
And as she was dying, I remember she would challenge everyone she met with the poem of C.T. Studd, the founder of the mission agency WEC. His poem, only one life which will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. It's a bit Victorian, it's a bit kitsch, but the sentiment's right, like life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Jesus says, if you're making God your ambition, you don't need to be anxious. If God has graciously given you life itself, why do you think he'll stop giving you what you need to sustain that life? If God has given you a body, why do you think he'll stop giving you what you need to cover and protect that body? Jesus points out in this passage, right, he gives us two teachers, gives us the birds and he gives us the flowers. Um, Have a look down at verse 26. Uh, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or soar away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? It's hard to be logical, isn't it? It's hard to be logical and rational when you're in the grip of worry and anxiety. You know, when you wake in the middle of the night, but Jesus says worry is illogical. You know, sometimes we we find ourselves in spirals of anxiety. We need to talk, when we find ourselves in those spirals of anxiety, we need to, to talk to ourselves. And Jesus applies a cooling hand of wisdom to our hot heads and our troubled hearts here. Jesus seems genuinely puzzled that children of his heavenly father should feel the need to be worried. Look at the birds, he says. They don't worry about where their next meal is coming from. And when you read Psalm 104 back in the Old Testament, um, all the creatures of the earth look to the Lord and he feeds them. It's not that the birds, you know, just sort of sit back in their nests and wait and sort of pop open their beaks and food just falls out from heaven, right? No, no, like they're, they're, they're busy. Um, some birds, I'm told, um, my son's actually, my middle son's into birds quite a lot, um, and he tells me that there are some birds that eat twice their body weight every day. Imagine that. Imagine if we had to do that. It'd be great. Amazing. More pizza. No, um, but the birds, right, the birds, they build nests and they incubate their eggs and they prepare for winter by migrating. And Jesus says, but your heavenly father feeds them. And if God provides for the animals, how much more will he provide for his own children? Are you not much more valuable than they, says Jesus? Perhaps you're here today and you've not had a good experience of a father. Jesus says, your heavenly father is different. Here is a father. Here is a father whose children mean more to him than anything else in the whole world. If you have a heavenly father like that, you have nothing to worry about. Life is more than food and drink. If the father has given you life, why worry? Learn from the birds he provides for them. Second, Jesus says, worry can't change anything. Look down at verse 27. Can any of you, Jesus says, speaking to this group on the side of a hill many years ago, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Um, 
Many of you know this, I used to be a pastor when I finished Bible college, I had a few years in Sydney, um, and the church I was working at in Sydney was in Kirribilli, you know, where the Prime Minister lives, um, and uh, you know, it was, um, the church that I was part of was just full of lawyers and finance people, terrifying, terrifying, no, um, full of lawyers uh, and finance people, and we had like a little subset of actuary people, you know, people who like are too smart for their own good, um, you know, who do all the insurance stuff, all the, the, out, the, the calculations behind the scene, who had actuary, right? One day, one of these members of my church, one of the actuary people, sent me this survey, which you could fill out, and the survey, you know, you had your name and you put your age and you put various characteristics about yourself, your height, your weight, um, how much you drink, what do you eat, what's your exercise like, and then you hit end, and then all of a sudden on my computer screen pops up a little, like, widget that started counting down how much longer I had to live. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen, right? <laughs> I asked that person to leave the church. No. Um, so there I am, like, you know, tinkering away on my computer, like trying to do some writing and reading. And all, it's just like, my life is just ebbing away on my computer. And then I started going, oh man, what if I put like, I don't eat that much pizza. Like, I, you know, I eat some vegetables. Would that, can, like, I'm, like half an hour later, I had to get rid of it. It was just so distracting. There's some discussion here, you know, when Jesus says, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life, there's some discussion about what the phrase actually could be and how it could be translated. Um, some believe it could be, you know, add length to your life or, or height to your stature. There's some conjecture there. But in a sense, it doesn't really matter. Whether it's extend our life or extend our bodies, the conclusion is the same. Worry can't do either. Worrying is pointless. It doesn't add to our lives. We're not better off for having sort of worried about something. It doesn't increase our lives. It actually kind of eats away at us inevitably, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and most significantly are the spiritual consequences of worry. Being anxious, right, and upset kept Martha from sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. Matthew 13, Jesus uses the same word in the parable of the sower and there explains that the worries and anxieties of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, many people's lives chokes the word of God out and makes our lives unfruitful. You know, like worry can stop us growing as Christians. If your heavenly father, though, has given his redeemed children what they need for life, what about our bodies? Jesus turns from the birds to the flowers. Have a look at verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the, tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Look at the flowers, Jesus says. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. But even Solomon, the greatest king that Israel had, wasn't provided for like them. If that is how God clothes the flowers, of course he'll care for you. So verse 31, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? At Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher in London, uh, last century commented, he said, most of our happiness in life is due to the fact that we are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. 
Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves, remind ourselves of of basic truths, of who God is and, and who we are in him. So when I find myself waking up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning, anxious and worried about the world, my family, you guys, my life. I say to myself, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will not let the righteous fall. Psalm 55, 22. Or if I don't say Psalm 55, 22, I, I go to the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, Give us today our daily bread. Whether it's your life, what you eat, what you drink, or your body and what you wear, your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what your anxieties are. He knows what you need. He knows what I need today and tomorrow. But the pagans, Jesus says, runs after these things, verse 32. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We can only serve one master. If we have an idol, the Bible says, it'll crush us. Physical idols in the Old Testament, right? They sort of had to be picked up and and carried around. And some people in our world still do have physical idols, which they pick up and they carry around. But we've also got metaphorical idols, right, that we pick up and carry around. Our appearance, success, our jobs, a particular relationship. We start to pay a whole lot of attention to our idols and then we find that they begin to cost us, whether financially as we worship them or they cost us emotionally. And eventually we find not only are we carrying them as great burdens, but they then begin to kind of control us and we're not free at all. What they promised Freedom, they actually take away from us and become a burden which we struggle to carry. And they'll crush us. But here's the thing, that the difference with the living God is that he carries us. He makes us his burden. He actually says this in Isaiah 46, even into your old age and your gray hair, the Lord says, I am he. I am he who sustains you. The Lord says, I have made you and I will carry you. Is that not wonderful? Isaiah 46, even into your gray hair and your old age, I am he, I made you, I will carry you. You see, Jesus sets us free from anxiously running around obsessing about what we eat or drink or what we wear. Instead, he promises in verse 33, if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. Brothers and sisters, make God's concerns yours and he'll make your concerns his. Make God's concerns yours and he'll make your concerns his. You know, when Jesus says, Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. I think what Jesus is saying there is, you know, we pray that his kingdom come, your will be done, Lord Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven. It's to long for his rule and his reign in our lives, that Jesus will be Lord of every part of our being, our thinking, our actions, our relationships, our families, our sexuality, our careers, our bank accounts, our investments, even our superannuation. 
Jesus should reign in our marriages and in the way we relate to our children and to our parents. Seeking Jesus' kingdom is, is wanting him to be known by others as Lord and Saviour. It's to speak of him among the nations and to the nations, living for him, seeking his justice and righteousness. You know, a little bit like the Old Testament prophets who just sought God's righteousness in every area of life, in our church, in our work, through our neighbourhoods and through the nations. It's about a world working as God desires it to work. And we know that how God desires his world to work will only come in its fullness when the Lord Jesus returns and makes all things new and all things right. But in the meantime, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus, called according to his purposes, we commit our lives to to living out his kingdom today for the glory of God and for the joy of all around us. Make God's concerns yours, Jesus promises, and he'll make your concerns his. There are only two ways to live, two treasures to pursue, two approaches to life, two masters to serve. And as we end, the question is this, how will you live today. How will you live today? Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is not promising a trouble-free life for Christians, for his people. Later in the gospel, actually, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus actually says that his followers may be hungry, may be thirsty, lonely, sick, or in need. But even then, we don't need to be anxious about those things because God will not abandon us. Just as the Lord gave bread to his people, the Israelites, in the wilderness as they made their way to the promised land, the manna they gathered one day at a time, just enough for each day. So Jesus asks us today to trust him. Can you trust me today? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Can you trust me today, Jesus says. You're seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. is not a, a one-off thing that we decide to do a while back and then move on to something else. It's a day-to-day thing. If we anxiously worry about the future, perhaps it realizes it's a, it's a, it, perhaps it's a, it reveals that we've taken our eyes off God, that we think we can't trust him. Your days that should be joyful are filled with worries. Have you noticed how we import sort of worries from the future into our present day life? You ever done that? Remember, do you realize that many of the things we get anxious about actually don't ever happen? You had that experience before? Where you sort of think about what might happen if this all happens and, I mean, I do this all the time. And Adele goes, stop it. Like I'm just catastrophized about what's gonna happen and then I get all worried and concerned and then it actually never happens. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Will you live for me today? One day at a time. 
And tomorrow, should the Lord tarry, will you trust me today? I love the words of Fiona Castle, and with these I'll finish. Uh, Fiona Castle, uh, widow of the great entertainer Roy Castle, and she writes in her book, a really great book called Give Us This Day. Um, They're an entertainment family. Fiona writes, many people live their lives as if it were a dress rehearsal for the real thing, when in fact by tonight we will have given the only performance of today that we will ever give. So we have to put our heart, our energy, our honesty and sincerity into what we do every day. As a show business family, we find that a suitable illustration. And every show comes to the end of its run when we must lay aside the costumes and step off the stage into another larger world. So as we pray, she says, the the prayer that Jesus taught us, we ask God to give us this day, thankfully receiving one day at a time, looking to him to sustain us with everything we need, whether it be food, shelter, love, friends, courage, hope. And at the same time, we echo the words of the psalmist. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Make God's concerns yours, Jesus says, and he will make his concerns Make your concerns his. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray together. Almighty God, your word tells us that you neither slumber nor sleep. And so we can slumber and sleep. We can rest. We thank you that you make our concerns yours. And with all the resources of the universe, you care for your little children. Forgive us, Lord, for our anxious, at times faithless worry. Help us by your spirit to trust you today. And Lord, help us to live for you one day at a time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last little thing from me, if you are, if you're here today and you are particularly worried about something, if you've got a concern on your heart or your mind, which is just, I don't know, keeping you up at night, um, after the formal part of our gathering, I want to encourage you to pray with someone. I want to encourage you, if you are happy to do that, to pray with maybe the person you've come with today or maybe the person you've just shared with before, if that's, you feel comfortable to do that, just pray together. Um, if, you're, if you're new, if you don't feel like you know anyone, there'll be someone over here just in that little alcove where those chairs are who'd be happy to sit with you and, and listen and pray and bring these anxieties before the Lord. But um, don't leave today carrying that burden. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church/northadelaide.